Alright, so, uh, our team to Australia just came back uh, a few days ago. Some people arrived back yesterday, and um, we had an amazing time in Australia, and I'd like to share some of that today. Um, turn, keep, keep with me on Acts chapter 8, verse 14 to 16. Yeah, let me always get a Bible stand here. All right. Thanks. All right, keep to Isaiah chapter, I mean, Acts chapter, Acts chapter 8. I'm like reading what is in front of me. Acts chapter 8, verses 14 to 16. And let's read that again together. Verse 14 says, Now when the apostles of Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of the Lord, word of God, they sent to them Peter and John, who came down and prayed for them, that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For he had not yet fallen on any of them, but they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. You know, the state of the Samaritan church at this snapshot in their history, it gives us a picture of a lot of local churches in the body of Christ today. They have been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus only. That's what the Samaritan, it says here in the Samaritans, uh, Philip, the evangelist, goes down and starts to preach the gospel to Samaria. Gets all these people um, saved and baptized in water. Uh, he moves in signs, wonders, and miracles. Philip is a, is a very anointed evangelist here. And he brings all these people to Christ. But the Bible says distinctly at this point in the Samaritan church's history, they have to send for Peter and John. What does Peter and John represent? Peter and John represent apostles. They represent the apostolic anointing of the church. And it wasn't until the apostolic anointing arrived at the Samaritan church that they were baptized not only in water, but baptized in the Holy Spirit. And uh, a lot of churches today, that's where they're at. They have the water baptism. They have Jesus. They have the Word of God. But many local churches, they're lacking. Uh, they have not yet experienced the fullness of the Holy Spirit. They have not yet been baptized in the Spirit. Because a lot of local churches, they don't know how to put a demand on the apostolic anointing. They don't know how to honor apostolically gifted ministers. There's a difference between a teacher, pastor, evangelist, prophet, an apostle. These are the fivefold ministry gifts mentioned in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. Jesus has given different gifted ministers to the body of Christ, and they serve in different ways to edify and build up the body of Christ, to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. And so, Philip here, I believe Philip was an evangelist. If Philip was uh, moving in an apostolic type of office or anointing, he would have been able to himself. Pray for people and they would have been baptized with the Spirit. Or maybe later on he does. I don't know. I, I haven't done enough research for this mess, particular sermon. But from what I know, at this point, Philip just knows he's an evangelist. Right? And um, <coughs> sometimes you may have the anointing on you. You just don't know about it. You don't identify with it and therefore it doesn't flow. Like for most of my... I mean, I, I did, I've done full-time ministry for seven years with Campus Crusade. And... As the pastor of your church here in New Philadelphia, I've been the pastor for three years. Okay? 
so I've been with Campus Crusade almost double the time I've been as your pastor. And wh- when I was with Campus Crusade, I'll tell you right now, I preached very funny, very powerful, very anointed messages. All right, when I was at Yonsei University, when I was at Columbia University, when I would do joint events, I mean, students love me. They still do. College students love me. Young people love me. That's why y'all are here. Y'all are either young or you're young at heart. Um, but because I didn't identify with the gift that God's put on my life, you know, I didn't move in like signs and wonders. And I pray for students after, after services. I pray for them on the side. They didn't like start shaking or getting baptized in the spirit or getting fire or, you know, or getting healing and deliverance. I didn't see any of that. I did that. I, I, I ministered in what I knew. And at that time, I didn't identify with the gift that God had actually deposited in me. There's some of you in here, you actually have gifts that you don't even know about. They're hidden. But, you know, in God's time, they will come out. You know what I mean? But um, the apostolic anointing, the ch- local churches need to learn how to put a demand on the apostolic anointing. Because this is when you put a demand on the apostolic anointing, you honor people who are carrying this apostolic anointing. That's when the apostolic grace flows in and establishes local churches in the grace of God. Now, a lot of times churches are back and forth, tossed about like a wave in the sea. Why is that? Because they're not established in apostolic teaching, foundational teachings. They're not established in the love of God. They're not established in the revelation and grace of God. They're not established in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So they go chasing after experience after experience. They get tossed about. But the apostolic anointing sets those things in order. Okay? If you don't know what I'm talking about, don't worry about it. Just get, I'm, I'm going to get through this part of the message for the people who know. For the rest of y'all, just let it go past you. All right? And one day you'll catch it. That's not to be taught. It's to be caught. And that's, that's for people in here who are getting a revelation of it. You just catch it. All right? That's what's revealed here in this passage. All right? The Samaritan church, they sent for the apostles. The apostles came laid hands, and boom, they get hit with the baptism of the Spirit. Now, um, when we went to Australia, you know, uh, we've been going to Australia. This is, our, this is my third time getting invited to Australia. And let me tell you something right now. All right? People love the preaching that's coming out of this house. Now, we're not, we're not like the most textbook preachers. You know, different people have different giftings. Aaron preaches differently than I do. Marcus preaches differently than I do. You know, Jean-Michael preaches differently than I do. I heard he preached a wonderful message. I'm going to try to listen to it this week, last week. Um, there's wonderful preaching coming out of this house. And there's people tuning into our podcast. You know, one, the first message of this year, all right, we have about 100, at that time, we had about 170 people in attendance at both campuses. All right, that first message of the year got downloaded almost a thousand times. Okay, we have 170, we're reaching, they're hearing the message, 170 people are hearing the message on a Sunday, but then through the podcast, almost a thousand people are downloading it. Alright, that tells you, you know, people are finding out about our podcast. Even like today at Hill says, all these visitors, you know, and some of them just like, yeah, I've heard you preach on your podcast, I really enjoy it. Even when I went to Australia this time, they're all like, yeah, I've been listening to your message. One gentleman came up to me and, and he said, uh, not all... Uh, five-year-old Koreans thong in their pants. <laughs> and uh, that's, I, I had told a story about uh, my childhood a couple of weeks ago. And uh, anyway, he listened to my message and, and he was just uh, telling me uh, he was blessed and things like that. And, um, you know, there's wonderful, wonderful preaching that's coming 
uh, out of this house, right? Um, uh, I'm sorry, where was I going with this? Hallelujah. Where was I going with this? The apostolic, yeah. So, so uh, <laughs> there's wonderful preaching coming out of this house. Uh, but when we went down to Australia, um, this is my third time getting invited down to Australia. Oh, here's what I'm saying. I'm sorry. Here's what I'm saying. We have wonderful preaching coming out of this house. But for whatever reason, the only invitations are coming from Australia. All right. A lot of you are Americans, Canadians. I haven't gotten an invitation to go preach in Winnipeg. I haven't gotten an invitation to go preach in California. Although I got to preach at California in February. That's my first time preaching. Um, but invitations have not opened up. And I just feel like the Lord is saying, it'll open up. But right now, the focus is on Australia. So within two years, this is my third time being invited to, um, you know, the largest English ministries in Australia. Right? And we go, and when we go down there, we bring the preaching. We bring the preaching and teaching. We do seminars. We did a whole bunch of seminars this trip. Danny, uh, Anita, Pastor Myung-Hwa, uh, my intern Jamie from uh, Westminster, she also did a uh, seminar. I did a seminar. You know, we had all these seminars. We did a lot of teaching and preaching. But the part, excuse me, the part that really just touches people and transforms them, establishes them permanently is that apostolic anointing. And so, you know, Thursday night I got to preach a wonderful message about God as our Father in Australia. And then on Friday night I preached the message on where is your identity? You know, where do you place your identity? Where do you get your sense of worth and value from? And then Saturday night I preached about the fire of God. Sunday service, I preached about uh, the lampstand of pure and beaten gold. It's an old message um, that I took out and just kind of presented to them. And they were receiving it, man. They were really receiving it. But it was when we ministered in the power of the Holy Spirit that got everyone's attention. You know what I mean? Because when it comes down to it, young people, I mean, everybody's really looking for the reality of God's presence, the reality of His power. Right, And so, what we've done is a lot of local churches have been really good at taking the reality, the experience of the Holy Spirit, and when it's not happening, they think it's incidental. So they, they, they go like, I guess sovereignly God's not moving that way in our church. So they kind of remove it and they form a version of Christianity. Instead of crying out more for the Holy Spirit's outpouring, they make a version of Christianity that is void of the experience of the Holy Spirit. And they get complacent there. And then the devil attacks in all kinds of ways because the church is not moving in authority. The church is not moving in anointing power. And they just get beat down, beat down, right? And then they go out and they find churches that are full of life, like Bethel. Or they go to places like IHOP, where they need like months of just praying in the prayer, prayer room in order to get healed or delivered. Or they find places like New Philly, Right? And what we need to do is we need to bring the experience of the Holy Spirit and we need to restore that back into Christianity. Because Christianity was never meant to be experienced apart from an experience of the Holy Spirit. When you take out the experience of the Holy Spirit, you don't have Christianity anymore. You have, you have a lot of religion. And uh, even when you worship, Jesus said true worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. Right, if you don't have an experience of the Holy Spirit, you're going to have a hard time worshiping in spirit and in truth. You can put the hands up. You can sing loud. You can say the hallelujah. You can go through the motions. 
But you will have the appearance of godliness while denying the power. Alright, true Christianity must have an experience of the Holy Spirit. Okay? And the experience of the Holy Spirit, it oftentimes it comes through apostolic leaders. That's just the way God's done it. I'm not saying that you can't pray for your friend and tell him, hey, I've been, I got baptized with the Spirit at a Saturday meeting last week. And can I pray for you to get the same experience? And they're like, what's that about? You explain it and then you pray for them. And then boom, they get hit with that baptism of the Spirit. That can happen. That can happen to anybody. But on a church-wide level, for a minister to go in and get like more than half the church just whacked in the power of the Holy Spirit and just filled with the power of the Spirit and just people are just laid out, shaking, crying, slain in the Spirit, you know, for that to happen, it's an apostolic anointing that's got to be present. Alright, so I'm, I'm, let me get off of that. So Some of y'all look really confused. It's okay. It's alright. Just try to catch it. I'll turn to Psalm 147 and I'll start to share a little bit about what happened in Australia. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share things that I didn't share at Hillside. Alright? Is that okay? So that... It, uh, there's some amazing testimony. There's one really awesome testimony I shared about the deliverance of uh, one of the youth group kids. I shared that at Hillside. I actually even showed a video. He was demonically um, possessed and demonized and manifesting like crazy. We got it on video. And we showed a little clip of the video just to, just to get everybody into the realm of this stuff is real. You know? And then I sh- I've shared the rest of the story and there's good news at the end. All right? So be sure to listen to that uh, if you want to hear about that testimony. But I'm going to try to share a different set of testimonies here that I didn't share at Hillside. So say amen to that. All right. Look at Psalm 147, verse 15. It's a good word here. When I started to, uh, when I arrived in Australia, by the way, there was a lot of drama with getting to Australia because volcanic ash from Chile in South America. And I thought South America, Chile was thousands of miles away from Australia. But what I, what I forgot about is the more south you go, the shorter the distance to get around the world. You guys ever think about that? I'm telling you right now, it's a shorter distance. <clears throat> anyway, this volcanic ash erupts in Chile and it wraps around the whole world and it threatens to um, shut down all of Sydney's uh, airline, right? So all the airlines in Australia, uh, two weeks ago when we, when we left, the day we left, they shut down all their uh, flights. And so for 48 hours, they were saying that there will be no flights coming in, in or out of Sydney. So there are all these cancellations. And um, I, around 2 p.m. Last, last Wednesday when I was about to leave, I had a flight that night. And um, <clears throat> I started just texting people and putting on Facebook. And I told people to pray. I told people to pray. And I was like, pray that there will be a wind, a mighty wind that will just push away the volcanic ash. And on top of that, that it will rain so that, you know, the ash in the air will be already washed out. And so that people will feel peace to resume the flights, you know. So I told everyone to pray from 2 o'clock to about 6 or 7, 8 p.m., all right. We were just in prayer and prayer and prayer. And then finally around 7, 8 p.m., there was a news item on the Australian news feed that said that uh, volcanic ash prematurely uh, diverted flights. Uh, one one uh, flight company is resuming flights. All right. And so I knew right there God had answered prayer. They delayed my flight for three hours. But you know what? 
I said this, I said this at Hillside. Ain't no mountain high enough. Ain't no valley low enough. Ain't no volcanic ash thick enough that can keep me from doing your will, Lord. Alright? And so, you know, a lot of people, a lot of people will look at volcanic ash and they go, oh, what a shame. Uh, I guess I can't do anything about this. Lord, get rid of the volcanic ash. Uh, he's not doing it. Okay. You know, no, I was like, Lord, I'm not missing this conference. People have been fasting and praying into this. They're hungry. They need an outpouring of your spirit. They need your grace. They need your teaching. God, I don't want this conference to be delayed. In fact, I want to get there and have an extra day to prepare. So, you know, I don't want, I don't want my flight to be delayed by a single day. All right? And I just start praying into that. So guess what? Three hour delay. And I was just calling Asiana. Right? American flights. One of our teammates, Emily, she was flying in from Seattle. American airline companies were scared to death. They canceled all their flights. And even when they heard the good news, they kept it canceled. Right? But Asian airlines, like Cathay Pacific, China Southern, Asiana, man, they're crazy. <laughs> Not a single time during the day did they, did they say, we're going to cancel the flights because of volcanic ash. They just delayed it a little bit, but they were, they were like, they were like, it's all right, we'll get in there somehow. You know, they're, they're Asians, you know? They were, they're like, we, we can't, we can't cancel these flights, you know, we gotta probably, probably get them in there. And, uh, <clears throat> I'm serious. All the American flights, all the Australian flights were canceled, but uh, Cathay Pacific, none of them, you know, we kept asking because their different team members went on different airlines. And they were like, no, we're not canceling the flight. Uh, you know, we're going as scheduled, you know, and that was before we heard the good news. And so, um, anyway, uh, we got in there, uh, pretty much just two hours later than we would have arrived. So everyone got there safely. Unfortunately for our sister Emily, she left on a Monday morning. And got to Australia on Thursday morning. Alright, so she had a whole journey. But it was a good journey because there was also a favor. Uh, there, everyone got a holiday inn pass, but she got a five-star hotel pass. So somebody was like, somebody must have liked you. Here, you got a five-star hotel pass. So she stayed in a nice hotel, but then she didn't really get to sleep because, you know, she was trying to book her flight, rebook her flight and stuff like that. Anyway, um, we had a whole lot of drama getting to Australia. But uh, we got there, and um, as I was praying, Lord, uh, what do you want me to pray into Australia? The Lord gave me Psalm 147, right? So I shared it with the team. Look at verse 15. He sends out his command to the earth. His word runs swiftly. Somebody said his word runs swiftly. And so... I felt like the Lord put this on my heart. So I started to pray into this. And I said, Lord, as I preach your word, I pray that, you know, it won't be all slow. People won't be processing it all slow. They would just get hit with your word. And your word will run swiftly through the congregation. And it would affect changes, healing, deliverance, establishing. You know, I pray that your word will run swiftly. That was one word that the Lord put on my heart. And then also in verse 18. He also kind of impressed this upon my heart. He sends out his word and melts them. He makes his wind blow and the waters flow. He sends out his word and melts them. He makes his wind blow and the waters flow. I know it's a little bit cryptic, but look, it's, mad. it's real easy, all right? Real easy what the verse is saying. 
when God sends out his wind, you know, one of the symbols of the Holy Spirit is wind. So he makes this wind blow and his waters to flow. And so we just started praying, Lord, blow your wind upon this place. May your water flow through this place, washing people from shame and guilt and condemnation. Lord, let your wind blow. Send out your word and melt them. What does them stand for? Well, we don't know. So we just, we just kind of prophetically put it in. Melt them. Melt the apathy. Melt the strongholds. Melt the resistance. Melt them. Whatever them is, right? You just melt them. And he makes his wind blow. Lord, make your wind blow and your water flow. In fact, later on, when we got to Australia, the uh, FLM leaders shared with us that the day before, when all this crazy airline drama and volcanic ash drama was happening, they told us the day before, there was unusually high winds in the city of Sydney. It was blowing really, really strong. And on top of that, in the middle of the day, uh, Pastor Myungwa and Anita were there. They said that it started raining. So let me tell you right now, God answered our prayer very specifically. And that volcanic ash got diverted. We never heard of, from it once again, ever again after we got, we got there. You know what I mean? I mean, we got to understand that the prayers of righteous men are powerful and effective. And the prayer of righteous men and women is even more powerful and effective. And when we say to this mountain, be uprooted and cast into the sea, it'll be done for us. We can tell volcanic ash, get out of my face, get out of my way. You ain't stopping me from arriving. And God will do it for you. Can somebody say amen? amen? I got that volcanic ash moving faith. Hallelujah. That's that powerful faith. <clears throat> and so we started praying these two themes in. Lord, may your, run swiftly. may your word run swiftly. And we pray that God, you will melt them as your word goes out. And that you will cause your wind to blow and your water to flow. All right. And so we started praying into that. And uh, once we got there... Uh, first night, <clears throat> I preached a message about God as our Father. And it, it was just a, a wonderful time. Uh, we ministered to people in the, in the, at the end, people that really uh, had a hard time seeing God as their Father. We invited different people up who want to turn their life around from backstone life. And they came up. We prayed for them. We prayed for the praise team. It was a good first night. You know what I mean? It was a good first night. Second night, uh, I preached on where is your identity. And uh, man, it's a powerful word. If I, can get a, if I can get a recording of it, I'll make sure I'll make it available on our podcast. But it was a good word about where's your identity. Now that you, you get a revelation of who God is, after you get a revelation of who God is, then you need a revelation of who you are. Because, but then if you get a revelation of who you are before you get a revelation of who God is, it doesn't really work quite the same. Because you need to first receive God's word about what he says about himself. When you receive God's word about what he says about himself, then you're ready to receive what he has to say about you and your identity. And so, you know, I preached about where's your identity. And then at the end of the uh, service, we have to kind of get rushed out because there was another service happening in the same sanctuary. It's uh, Sydney Full Gospel. It's, uh, they have over 2,000 people. It's a fairly large church. And uh, they were rushing us out. But um, I had um, Emily and uh, one of my spiritual daughters from Seattle Emily and Anita and Pastor Melwa came up. I told them to come up. I told them to pick somebody out of the crowd and just prophesy over them. And I, and I, and I went first. And so I picked out some youth group kid that uh, I thought was getting on my nerves while I was preaching. All right? He was, he was like, kind of like, like restless. And, you know, so I was like, get him, Lord. 
So I just picked him out. You know, I didn't see no like particular like sign on him. I just wanted to get blasted. All right. So I called him out and I just started prophesying like, you know, the Lord sees your heart and you are actually a mighty warrior. The Lord says mighty warrior. And he starts to get punched with the Holy Spirit, starts to shake and starts to cry and all. You know, he's, he's getting touched with the Holy Spirit. And, uh, and then as I'm wrapping up my prophecy, he phew, gets slain by the Holy Spirit, right? And then Emily comes and prays over some other girl and says, you have an Esther anointing. And the girl's, ah, yes, I do. And em- Esther anointing, Esther anointing, blah, blah, blah. And boom, she goes under the power of God, right? And then Noah comes up. It's powerful, man. It's powerful stuff. She starts prophesying over some random girl she picked out and said, I saw this over you. I saw that over you. And the Lord's saying this. And the Lord says, don't put so much pressure on yourself, all this stuff. And, and let it all go. And the girl's, oh, I'll let it all go. And she's getting blasted. And then, and then she gets slain by the Holy Spirit as the prophecy is ending, right? All right? And then, boom, Anita, you know? Anita's just like stepping out and she starts prophesying and praying over this girl. The girl starts crying. And this person also goes under the power of God. So all four people, boom, 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 prophesy and boom, get slain in the Holy Spirit. It's not like we're like, well, you will get slain in the Holy Spirit at the end of my prayer. Like, we didn't say anything like that, you know? But that's just the way the Holy Spirit, he, he, he ministered. You know, so all four of them go down. And so now the, we get the attention of everybody in the room. You know, they love the preaching. But up until this point, you know, um, there was uh, a stagnancy in the spirit realm. But when they start seeing this ministry happening by the power of the Holy Spirit, they all perked up and they were like, call me, call me. I want to be next. You know, and people are just like all like alert and awake. And I asked them to stretch out their hands. They were all doing it. And there was just the excitement in the room. And I, I was way over time and they were, <laughs> Korean ministry was ready to come in. <laughs> and so I was looking at Pastor Ray. He's the, um, he's the, uh, pastor that's going to succeed the founding pastor. They're in a similar season as we are. And so, uh, he's going to be taking over for the founding pastor. And, uh, I looked over at him and he's just like, you gotta, you gotta hurry up, you know? And I'm just like, all right, all right, I'll wrap it up. All right, I'll wrap it up. After this, one more altar call. <laughs> And I just said, intercessors, if you have an intercessory call in your life, come up. You know, we want to activate you, want to bless you. And we just started calling people. All these people, like 25, 30 people came up for the altar call for intercessory prayer. And uh, I told the team, just go right through. Just run. Let the word of God run swiftly. Go run right through. Just bless people. Pray for people. And so we rushed. We did it in like three, four minutes. Kid you not. We went over there. We started praying. And they were all getting blasted. Boom, 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 boom. And there were like 20, 25 people on the ground. Within like a minute or two. Alright. And so. So we were like. Alright. Praise the Lord. And then Pastor Raymond was like. Okay. Alright everyone. Uh, let's evacuate. We need to leave right now. Everyone get up. Get up. Get out. We need to leave. And so. That was the second night. Third night. I preached on the fire of God. I'm telling you man. I preached on the fire of God. And fire fell. Double portion. Of what we saw two years ago. At Battlefield Retreat. I mean, the fire of God fell. I mean, uh, yeah, we're praying for the praise team first, praying for different people, and boom, people getting hit with the fire. <clears throat> people are just shaking like crazy. There's one gentleman, he shared on the video later on. We interviewed him on video. He said he felt like the fingertips, the bones in his fingertips start to rattle. And he just felt his whole body. And you can, we saw, if you, if you watch the video, of him shaking. I mean, he's just shaking from his fingertips and then to his whole body. And he's just shaking and shaking. And I'm just, you know, praying for him in fire. And while I'm praying for him, if you look at the corner of the video, there's a, another uh, Korean Yuaxing gentleman that's there. 
And he had never experienced the Holy Spirit like this ever before. And nobody's praying for him. And all of a sudden, he starts shaking. <laughs> and, and all of a sudden, he falls down on his own. That's at the, at the corner of the video if you watch. Um, but anyway, yeah, the Holy Spirit was just touching people, right? And, um, uh, man, it was powerful stuff. And then we asked the youth and junior high kids to come up. And, man, they were just getting blasted. I had FLM leaders, the church leaders. I wanted to empower them. So I said, you come up and you start laying hands on these youth. Because there's been a disconnect between their youth ministry and the English ministry. Naturally, they should go on to college and join the English ministry. But a lot of them are leaving church. A lot of them are refusing to go into the, youth, uh, into the English ministry after they graduate. And so uh, we just had the FLM leaders pray for the youth. And, man, these youth were just... You know, they just came up and, you know, and, uh, you know, they just came up, you know. And they were like, I don't know how many of them were, like 30 or 40 of them. Um, there's a bunch just lined up and just the fire started falling. These kids are like, ah, ah, ah. And, then, and, you know, like FLM leaders are like, I don't know what to do. You're doing fine. Just say Fire. Fire. Ah, fire. I don't think it's working. I think it's working fine. <laughs> fire. So anyway, these youth kids were getting blasted. It was nuts, man. I'll show you the video, but my computer broke down the other night. Um, I was trying to put together a little clip for you guys to watch, but uh, we'll get it for you in an upcoming week, maybe next week. But um, yeah, it was powerful. I mean, we prayed for the men and we prayed for the women. And there's just fire all over the place. You know, I was just so proud of the team. You know, they're just stepping out, you know, and just praying for people, getting, doing a little mini healing deliverance here and there. Uh, there was one youth kid named Chris, and uh, he started actually manifesting demonically. And so, uh, so listen to the Hillside podcast for that story. It's a powerful story. In fact, I didn't end up sharing anything else a- after that because that story took so long. And then, uh, and then, you know, I ministered to some people in the house because of that. But uh, this young man, you know, he was manifesting demonically, and we had, we we um, I made a couple mistakes, and uh, listen to the Hillside podcast. All right, it's a powerful story. But he got delivered um, uh, on that same night, you know, and it was it was just a powerful fire-filled service. And then on Sunday, we visited Hillsong Church out at the 9 a.m. service at the Hills campus, and uh, it was it was great. Um, Mostly because Brooke Frazier was in the house. And uh, she was leading worship. And, you know, she was... Yeah, I love, I love my wife, of course, you know. <laughs> but, you know, I admire, you know, Brooke Frazier for just the uh, amazing beauty of God that she's able to <laughs> exhibit, you know, when she leads worship. But, you know, we had a, we had a great time. And it was good. I, I wanted the team to go to the Hillsong service because it enlarges our vision. It causes us to dream bigger. And even the videos that they showed of the ministries that they're involved with, they're involved with like uh, ministry in India. They're involved with uh, planning a church in New York City. Uh, they planted a church in London. They, they're um, building schools in South Africa. And then they're partnering with Christine Kane to do A21, which is they set up safe houses in Greece to get women who are trafficked into the sex industry out. So they actually do it. They don't just talk about it. They have, they have them set up. It's the only ministry that I know of that actually is well-funded and are systematically getting these girls out. And it's very dangerous. It's a dangerous work. Right? But, she, you know, she uh, leads that ministry and Hillsong funds it. And so they're showing us 
all the videos of the ministries that they're involved with. And man, the cinematography on these videos was incredible, by the way. For those who appreciate film and, and, and video editing and stuff, cinematography was incredible. And um, it gave us like a bigger vision, bigger dream. And I wanted, I wanted our team to have a bigger dream, you know. Because sometimes you go in and out of this same service, the same, you know, facilities, you know, and things like that. And, and you can start to kind of, your faith can start to get stagnant, you know. And sometimes visiting other churches like this, when you get an opportunity, it awakens you. And it also causes you to see what they're doing well. You know, what, what would be some things you wouldn't do the same way, you know. And so, you know, I took a lot of notes and stuff while we were there. And we were blessed. And then we went to FLM in the afternoon for the 1.30 service. And I preached on the lampstand of pure and beaten gold. I talked about submission. And they just caught it. They were like, submission, wow. Actually, throughout the conference, every theme that I would throw out, they would catch it. And then they go, wow, this is the answer. You know, that, that was kind of like their, their attitude because they were, it hit them so hard. The revelation hit them so hard. They were like, this is the answer, you know. And so after the Sunday service, they were like, submission. Oh, Pastor Christian, when you said that thing about submission and sonship, oh, that, that's, that's what I was looking for the whole time. My whole life, that's what I was looking for. Like, that's how they were talking, you know. There's one, one gentleman actually came up to me after the service, and he had been checking out other churches because... Um, uh, he had been, I, get, I think he had been asked to step down from leadership this year, from the FLM ministry for whatever reasons. And uh, he had a hard time processing that. And he felt a little bit rejected and things like that. So he actually went around church hopping looking for another church. He happened to come to church service that day because he heard there was a guest speaker. And then when I, ta- I spoke on submission, it just hit him. So he comes up to me afterwards and he's like, I got to introduce myself. I'm this and this and this is my story. And when you spoke about submission, I realized that's it right there. I need to stop running around because no matter where I end up, I need to learn the lesson of submission. And I need to get my inheritance. You know, and so, you know, he, um, I pray for him and just, you know, my hope for him is that he will be committed back into the church. There's some amazing people down there at Sydney Full Gospels EM, FLM. Full Life Ministry has just got so many amazing people. And we had just so much fun down there, just ministering to them. Um, uh, after the conference, we went on a little cruise along the um, Circular Key area. It was real nice. You know, uh, some of them were saying, ah, it ain't nothing. And uh, I got on the, uh, the cruise, and it was nice. It was like a little cruise, and we had lunch. There's a restaurant inside the ship, and it goes around the, uh, the harbor. And it was really nice. And so, you know, we spent time with... Um, and, you know, you, you might not think this is ministry, but God is redefining my idea of ministry. Ministry is not just, you know, altar fire or preaching and teaching. Ministry is also just developing the friendship. Relating to people. And making that the priority. Making love the priority. The a kingdom of God advances through relationship. Not through conferences and functions and things that we do. Functions always change, right? But love never fails. And if all we, all we do is just, if all we did when we went down there was to spend time with some of those leaders, those leaders would have been encouraged. Those leaders would have been built up, you know? And there was ministry happening everywhere. On the car rides over to the restaurant, there was ministry happening in the car. On the way to the airport, ministry happening in the car, you know? Um, this is funny. After our services, people will come downstairs, and get prayer in this bathroom hallway area. 
And there was all these like um, Sydney Full Gospel, the, young, the adult ministry. They're going in and out of the bathroom, right? And, you know, they're coming in and out of the bathroom. And, you know, they, they open up the bathroom and they're like, whoa, whoa. And somebody's on the ground like slaying in the spirit. <laughs> and they're just like pretending like it's normal. You know, and there are just like people getting ministry like everywhere, right? And so, um, by the way, we saw a lot of physical healings on this trip as well. Um, we saw in the services, we saw 17, 80 to 100% healings. So people who experienced like a full healing. The young gentleman had a pain in his wrist. And uh, when we prayed, we actually just had the FLM people pray. They just prayed for each other after they stood up with the word of knowledge. Uh, he prayed, I received prayer and his hand got hot. And then right afterwards, it was completely healed. And he was doing all this drawing and it was all completely gone. He came up and testified. Uh, there's a girl that went to see a chiropractor on Thursday night. And she left work early to go to the chiropractor because she was in so much pain. Ended up coming to the conference. And when she stood up, somebody gave a word of knowledge about back pain. She stood up. And when they prayed for her, she was completely healed. She came up and testified and checked out her back. And she was completely better. Right? And so uh, there was um, 17 full healings, 22, 50% healings. And then uh, this is just in the services. Outside the services, there was another like half a dozen full healings and another half a dozen partial healings. That's just like my estimate. Uh, on the video, yeah, Pastor Diana Suck, uh, she grabbed uh, a girl's legs and she looked and compared because she had back pain. She compared the legs and her left leg was shorter than the right. And you could tell on the video, like it's like considerably shorter. Right, was she in like some kind of accident or something? She, she fell. She fell and her leg got shorter. <laughs> she didn't grow properly because she fell. Okay. So yeah, her leg, left leg is considerably shorter. Diana starts commanding her left leg to grow out and, and, and you can see it growing out. And they start checking her ankle bones because usually you have to check the ankle bones. And usually the ankle bones are like this if one leg is shorter. And it was like really close together all of a sudden. And so the girl gets up and checks and she's like, wow, it's like, it's like a lot more even. And then Diana's like, well, is it completely even? And she's like, um, not completely, but it's like a lot better than before. So Diana prays again. And as she's praying, like she, she feels something like pop or something like that. And so she, she asks her to check again. And how does she feel the second time? She feel, huh? She said it was even. Yeah, so I mean, praise the Lord. Like, you know, God's just growing out legs. You know, that's happening like, you know, let's praise the Lord for that. Hallelujah. <laughs> uh, there was a, another dude named Big G. He was like a big, big, big dude. He's like a football looking kind of guy. And uh, uh, he was like, uh, you know, I have this excruciating back pain. But the last two nights when you guys did prayer for healing, I missed it. And so, you know, I just want to ask you, Pastor Christian, could you pray for me? So I was like, yeah, bro. And so I pray for him. You know, Lord, remove this pain. And, and amen. You know, I pray for him. And I asked him, can you check? And then he checks and he's like, uh, nothing. I'm like, you sure? Nothing happened? He's like, no, nah, there's no improvement. And so um, Danny comes over and checks his legs. Right? So he checks his legs. And he's like this. And then he's like, oh, your legs are straight. <laughs> So I'm like, all right, okay. So I'm like, hey, bro, Big G, let me pray for you again. Can we, Danny and I pray for you together this time? And he's like, sure, sure, sure. And so we pray for him the second time. Second time we pray and then we ask him, check your back. He gets up and he starts checking. He's like, it feels better. 
this stuff really works. <laughs> and I'm like, what are you talking about, man? What do you mean this stuff works? How do much for 50%, 80%? He's like, 100%. It's completely gone. So he felt completely better. So there were a lot of physical healings uh, that was taking place throughout the trip. And uh, we were just so blessed by the uh, blessed by that ministry. Um, and then, uh, yeah, on Monday at the cruise, we got to spend time with Pastor Ray, who's going to be taking over the entire church really soon. And um, uh, we also got to hang out at his house that later that night. And, uh, yeah, we just, you know, we didn't, you know, we just were hanging out. But there was just so much joy and love and grace. There was so much grace and just the fellowship time. And then um, the men started to uh, get onto the pull-up bar. And, uh, you know, when men see a pull-up bar, you're going to have a pull-up contest. You know, and so, you know, I did, I did, you know, Pastor Ray, um, actually, uh, this guy, Jason, one of the intern pastors, well, their intern pastors, he went up and he did like, like five pull-ups or something like that. And then Pastor Ray's like, all right, let me show you how it's done. So Pastor Ray, I guess he works out. So he does like, I don't know, like 10 or 11, right? And then, um, and then, and then I went, and I think I did like, I think I did like, no, no, I actually, I, I think I went first or something like that. And I did like 13 or something like that. All right. Thank you. And uh, <clears throat> I, I could actually do a lot more, but um, I was getting nervous because um, Jason, the intern pastor's wife, she's a personal trainer. And she was like, go down all the way. Lock those elbows. I was like, oh, snap. Okay. All right. <laughs> Am I doing it right now? You know? So I was a little nervous, but uh, I did like 13, and then, and then uh, Pastor Ray did like 10, 11, or something like that. And then Danny Kim comes over. You know, Danny Kim's a B-boy. So he does like 15 or something like that, right? And, you know, and I got second wave, so I was like, I don't want to brag, but let me show you how it's done, Danny. All right? So I got up there, and I did like, I don't know, like 17 or 18, right? Anyway, we had a lot of fun, Okay. <laughs> But we were just fellowshipping at his house, and it was a really good time. Um, next day, a uh, divine appointment opened up. Uh, there was a pastor that I know that was supposed to go to a pastor's gathering uh, because a guy named Pastor Kong Hee from uh, City Harvest Church in Singapore was in town doing a big conference. And uh, he was doing a pastoral gathering, and the pa- one of the pastors couldn't go, so um, they asked me if I would like to tag along. So, you know, I just kind of said, yeah, and I, and I went. I knew nothing about Pastor Kong Hee's ministry. Uh, and I went there, and he shared his testimony, and I was just really blessed. I was learning so much. I was just typing away on my iPhone, trying to take as much notes as I can. And um, uh, Pastor Kong, he, um, he pastors a church in Singapore of 32,000 people. Uh, and, uh, you know, they started out, you know, maybe about 20 years ago. And for the first five years of their, of their ministry, uh, they had just a whole bunch of college students and young people that didn't have much money, you know, and... Um, uh, but the Lord kept on building their ministry. And so today they have 32,000 people. But uh, Pastor Kong, he's been through a lot of persecution and accusation this past year by the government, by the media, by other Christian leaders. And uh, through all of that, he's been trying to really stay gracious and bless people who've been hurting him. And uh, praise the Lord, his entire church, with the exception just of a few people, they've all been committed and they've stand, stood with him through an entire year's worth of accusations and slander. And so, you know, he had like a different anointing on him. That's what some of the pastors were saying. And uh, afterwards, uh, all the pastors came up to pray for him. 
And so I just kind of went up to pray for them, you know. And they're all praying, right? And they're all praying, and you know, a lot of them are shandalada and praying in tongues and stuff. And we're all praying for him. And uh, different pastors start getting the wireless mic, and they just started like prophesying over him. And the Lord is saying, you know, this, you know, this and that. And and around the second pastor who's praying out loud, I get a sense in my spirit, Holy Spirit's like, get ready to pray. I'm like, well, I don't know these people. They're not going to ask me to pray. And Holy Spirit's like, get ready to pray. So I just felt that in my spirit. So I started trying to like get a prophetic word or, you know, trying to come in agreement with what God is doing in his life. And then surely enough, after the second pastor prays, the host pastor takes the mic and he he goes. (laughs) Man, you don't know me, man. You sure? All right, here. And then I just prayed and I just prayed this like, you know, I just started decreeing, declaring things that I felt like I was doing. And just, I felt like God was closing the season of persecution, of testing, and bringing him into a new season of increase. And so, I just kind of declared that over him. And, uh, and yeah, it was good. And afterwards, I got to meet a whole bunch of other Australian pastors uh, from other churches, uh, other denominations. So, it was really neat. Um, on, on Wednesday this past week, Anita actually went down to Melbourne to do a healing and deliverance training. And uh, I was really proud of her. She went down there on her own by herself. And uh, the ministry there, ECF, they received her. And uh, she did a healing and deliverance training. They had like three-hour session in the afternoon, three-hour session at night. And Aunt Anita, just, she just taught and just fellowship with them. And um, they were just really blessed. While Anita was doing that, our team was back in Sydney at, the, at a big house that we rented. And um, we had over 20 young people from New Life Community Church come. Uh, that's the EM of Sesungkyo. That's the church that we hosted the battlefield retreat two years ago that we ministered at, and uh, all these new life young young adults came, and we had this uh, we had this great restaurant where you cook your own steak. That, that was fun, uh, but I realized I don't know how to cook a fillet mignon, and I had the fillet, and then when I when I brought it back to my table, it was like bloody inside. <laughs> anyway, uh, that's not doing anything. Uh, they came back to the house. And we just had a time of sharing and prayer. And like there were over 20 of them. And they all started to share. And I asked them to share about how did the battlefield retreat bless you. And all of them started opening up about how they've been to different conferences, different retreats. But it was the battlefield retreat two years ago that permanently established them in the grace of God. And since then, the church has been experiencing a steady increase. Their fire has just been burning brighter and brighter. And so different people are saying, you know, um, there are different testimonies of healing and deliverance. They, a lot of them refer to Mina and Aaron's testimony. Because uh, one of the nights of the retreat, Mina and Aaron shared their testimony raw. You know, Mina shared her testimony about you know, living a really backslidden life, you know, um, you know, drugs, promiscuity, clubbing, whatever. You know, Aaron as well, she had a lot of theft. She used to steal a lot. She used to... Um, she used to steal a lot, <laughs> do a lot of drugs and all this stuff. And they kind of just share their testimony as it is, everything. And that night, I remember a whole bunch of young people came forward to give their lives to Jesus. Because they were like, if God can do it for these girls, God can do it for me. And so a lot of people referred to their testimonies and said, you know, when, when Aaron shared her testimony, I was just like, that's me. That's my story. When Mina shared her testimony, I was like, I need to forgive my mom. You know, all these things. And so... You know, different people referred to the battlefield retreat and they were just like permanently changed. And so to hear it all together, it was such a blessing. Such a blessing. Actually, one of them was like <coughs> referring to different 
team members like Angela, Angela Ju, Anita's sister. Uh, one of the guys, his name is Hunter. And he was like, yeah, I just remember Angela was contending for me throughout the retreat. And she made all the difference. She just believed in me. And, and when time came, I just received, I opened my heart to the grace of God. And this young man, man, he used to have his skinny jeans and wear them all low. And you could see his butt crack and all this stuff. Like, he didn't listen to nobody. He was smoking at the retreat. You know, he was just like, you know, really just, you know, not living for the Lord. But at the retreat, he was just completely transformed. And he came out to the house and he was praying out loud. And it was like a different man. He was a mighty warrior. He was praying with so much authority. I was so amazed. And two years, he grew up that, he grew up that much. Um, and so, yeah, it was amazing to hear all these testimonies. And what, uh, oh, one more testimony. Oh, one more testimony. This is why I didn't share a hillside. I'll give it to you guys. It's a powerful testimony. Uh, the, one of the um, PKs, the oldest son of the, of the pastor of Sesun the founding pastor of Sesun Presbyterian Church, his son, uh, his name is Jiwon. And when I came to the Battlefield Retreat two years ago, Jiwon was heavily into drugs, you know, heavily living a very worldly life. And he kind of came to the retreat with his friends and just to check it out. But, you know, he, wasn't, he was watching, but he wasn't really touched. He didn't really open up his heart. Uh, and so on one of the nights, I remember when I went up to him and I just said, hey, man, how you doing? You know, hey, what's, what's your name? And he's like, Chiwon. I'm like, hey, Chiwon, you sound familiar. Aren't you the PK? And he's like, yeah, that's my father, all this stuff. And he kind of shared up, opened up his heart and shared his whole story of how far he is from God. You know, how bitter he is at the church, how hurt he's been by the church. All these things. He's just sharing all these stories. And I just kind of spoke life and just let him just, I just listened and let him just share his story. And um, <clears throat> I prayed for him. And uh, we left Battlefield Retreat seeing no visible evidence that there was a change in this guy, Chiwon. Right? But Chiwon saw something happening in everybody else that he really, secretly, he wanted for himself. And so what happened was uh, he came to the dinner, to the steak dinner. And I knew that everyone was telling me about Chiwon's transformation. So, you know, I saw him at the dinner. And then afterwards, he's like, can you get in my car? And I'm like, yeah, sure, sure, of course, you know. <laughs> and so, you know, I get in his car. And he doesn't even know where, he, where he's driving to. He doesn't have the GPS. GPS is not working, all this stuff. But he just doesn't care. He just starts, I got to tell you what happened. Right? And he just starts to share his testimony. Six months after the battlefield retreat, he's uh, stoned from taking drugs, comes home four in the morning, sitting in front of the couch. Usually he'll turn the TV on, but for whatever reason that day, he said he didn't turn the TV on. And as he sat there, he said the presence of God just descended into the living room. And he knows he can just differentiate between a high like experience that's caused by drugs and one where it's different. And this one was a dis- distinctly different experience and uh, he just felt the presence of God. And God said, just surrender your heart to me. And I'll take care of you. Surrender your heart and I'll take care of you. And he just started to cry. And he just felt the fear of the Lord as well as the love of God just invading that living room. And his dad was going to Sebekido. And his dad decided to just stick around and pray with his son. Because he saw that God was touching his heart. Right? He didn't give his life to Jesus right there and then. But that left such a strong impression on him that in the coming months when different events happen, he will go out to these events. People will speak truth into his heart and he would just come into alignment with that. And then one year after the battlefield retreat, he went to the retreat where Pastor Dave from Jubilee spoke. 
right? And Pastor Dave, on one of the nights, he goes, I, I, I don't want to preach tonight. I just want to share my testimony. Have you ever met Pastor Dave? Have you ever visited Jubilee or have you ever visited JSM in the old days? Uh, he can tell his testimony verbatim a thousand times, right? He, he's, he, he's got it memorized, you know? Uh, he went to USC, you know, into the girls, sex and rock and roll, all this stuff. And, you know, he, he shares his testimony. And Ji Won, while he's listening, he just starts weeping. And everyone's like, what's going on? And he's just weeping and weeping and weeping. Because he goes, that story is my story. All the issues Pastor Dave uh, was able to be healed from and that was over, able to overcome, those are my issues. And so that testimony spoke into his life. And after that retreat, right, he was a totally a different man. And so, yeah, we meet him two years after the battlefield retreat. One year after he met Pastor Dave, uh, he heard Pastor Dave's testimony. And, uh, and he's just on fire for God. And he's just like, <clears throat> I'm like, so what are you going to do? He's like, I'm about to graduate uni, uni university. And, and then he tells me that uh, I'm going to go into full-time ministry. I'm like, really? He's like, yeah. I'm going to full-time ministry. I'm going to seminary. And this is really what you want to do. And he's like, yeah, this is what, really what I want to do. Um, while we were there, it's funny. His father, um, this might be down low, so just keep this down low. But his father announced to Sesenguet that uh, his father's going to be leaving Sesenguet and going to Busan to work at a mega church down in Busan. And so this shocked like the whole church. And they're, they're still de- dealing with it. But he was at complete peace. With his father moving to Busan, with his whole family moving to Busan, he's like, "It's all right. I know exactly where I need to be." You know, and he was, and, and at the end of the night, he was just like, "I can't go home. You got to pray for me. You got to pray for me." And so, you know, I had Pastor Myungwa come and prophesy, and I prayed and prophesied, and we just prayed for him, and we just got all these words. He had his iPhone and recorded every prophecy that we we're giving him, and he was just so blessed. And I just looked at him, and I was like, "This man." has been touched by the power of God. The love of God. Such an amazing testimony. And that just gives us a glimpse. And the reason why I'm sharing all these testimonies from Australia is here's the thing. We go to the Philippines. We go to India. We go to Cambodia. We go to uh, Thailand, Indonesia. We've been to Myanmar. We've been to Nepal. We've been to, uh, you know, yeah, all these countries, right? But a lot of times we don't hear the fruit of the ministry. Because they don't speak English or they don't, they're not on Facebook. <laughs> but all these Australia kids, they speak English and they're on Facebook. And so we get to follow up and hear the fruit that New Philadelphia is producing in the nations. That God is bringing forth out of the anointing that we're carrying faithfully before him. And it's such a blessing. And what I want to encourage you to do, whether you go to Malaysia or Bangladesh or India, whether you hear from that, whether you hear follow testimonies or not, know that the power of God is flowing through this church. And the types of testimonies that we have the privilege to hear, they're special. It really is marked by the power of God. So I'm telling New Philly, we're carrying... A powerful, dynamic, life-changing, heart-healing, captive-freeing anointing. And it's just touching the nations. I want you to close your eyes, bow your heads.